Troy, Mitch, have you ever seen someone in an article or an ad or on social media and they talk about inflammation? Have you ever heard of this? Yes. Yes, I have. On on TikTok every so often, there will be someone trying to tell me what I should and shouldn't be eating. That's funny because I'm a physician and I've probably heard about it less than Mitch has. And I'm, <laughs> I'll clarify, I'm not on TikTok. So. All right. Well, you know, and then oftentimes, you know, after you hear about inflammation, then there's some story that follows about how somebody stopped eating bread or using seed oils or dairy or red meats or other foods. And now they feel better. Like maybe they were bloated for a long time and now they're not or their skin has cleared mm-hmm. up or their migraines have gone away or they used to be congested all the time and that went away or. They've got more energy, their mood's better. So the question is, like, are these health risks and benefits overblown? I mean, is this a legitimate thing, this inflammation? And can the foods we eat really impact us in these ways? And there's a lot of ads online claiming that that's super important. There's supplements or diets that tell you, you know, this is a this is a legitimate deal, but we want to find out if it's true. And we're going to dive into that topic today. This is Who Cares About Men's Health, providing information, inspiration, and a different interpretation of men's health. I bring the BS. My name is Scott Singpill, the MD to my BS, Dr. Troy Madsen. Hey, Scott. A guy who's working hard on his health and is always bringing his unique perspective, Mitch Sears. Hey there. And Thunder Jalili, who is a professor of nutrition and integrative physiology at the College of Health at University of Utah. Thunder, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm good. I'm happy to be back on the podcast. Is inflammation a real thing? Like that stuff I talked about at the top of the show, is that what's going on? That's what we want to dive into. Let's just start with that. I mean, is it legit? Is Because it seems a little crazy to me, right? That changing my diet or getting rid of some of these foods are going to clear up all these health issues that I've had. So to answer your first question, yeah, inflammation is definitely a real thing. It's like a normal physiological process and it has a purpose for, you know, wound healing and and immune response and things like that. But I guess what we're talking about here is kind of a low-grade chronic inflammation that could increase your risk of, of, you know, unhealthy things like maybe increase your risk of artery disease or make your headaches or your arthritis worse or things like that. So that's how I kind of look at this, you know, inflammation as we're talking about it. How is the inflammation caused by the foods we eat different than the inflammation that's caused by other causes like I twist my ankle and that getting that gets inflamed. How how is that different? You're talking probably an acute um, stimulus for inflammation with the ankle twist versus a more low grade systemic inflammation that's um, yeah much lower level. So it takes longer for it to have like a physiological impact. That would be my take on it. And with like a twisted ankle, though, I can look at it and see it's inflamed because it's yeah. swollen or it's hot. I mean, yeah. d- can I tell that with food as well? Or is, no. it, is it the other symptoms that I know that maybe something might be up? No, you can't really. I mean, it's different with food. It's a, it's, it's a low-grade systemic type of inflammation, you know, a little bit more cytokine activation, a little bit more oxidative stress. In the short term, it's not going to do much. You know, in the long term having it exist like, you know, month after month after month can exacerbate other things that are already going on. So in someone who has like high LDL levels, you know, or someone who has diabetes and now you throw on this systemic inflammation, this low-grade systemic inflammation, it could accelerate underlying artery disease, um, for example. Yeah. So like digestive problems, joint pain and stiffness, skin problems, fatigue, lack of energy, headaches and migraines in some people, even mood changes like anxiety, depression, 
irritability, allergies, erectile dysfunction, low testosterone levels, um, you know, increase the risk of certain cancers and other chronic diseases. This is all true, huh? Um, yeah, in a way it's all, it's all true. Uh, I mean, maybe not exactly the way most people think of it. Like there's a direct cause and effect of these inflammatory foods in every single condition you mentioned. <laughs> yeah. But, but I think it's more that if you have these conditions, what you eat could exacerbate it, you know, and make it more difficult to deal with. Whether there's a direct cause of eating these foods and then developing all those conditions you said, that's debatable. But they definitely don't help if this is some, one, of the, you know, one of the things that you're trying to deal with. And I think too, Thunder, you know, you talked about some conditions like coronary artery disease. And there we're talking about longer term effects rather than like eating something and then an hour later I have a heart attack because of it, you know, things like that. Yeah. So it seems like I, I agree there are definitely inflammatory properties of, of certain foods. Again, we know certain triggers for migraines from certain foods. Um but yeah, like you said, it, it seems like a lot of these, you've got an underlying condition or it's like long-term effects of maybe some of the food you're eating or some of the processes that can go on chronically. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, if we could just like pick up the example of the coronary artery disease that you just mentioned, Troy. Yeah, it's long-term. It so turns out that these foods that everyone, and I'm doing air quotes, okay? You guys can't see it, air quotes. These foods that everyone <laughs> labels inflammatory well, they also turn out to be the same foods, you know, that may increase your LDL and, um, you know, increase your, maybe make you more, more prone to diabetes. And these are risk factors for developing um, atherosclerosis, right? So it's, in that sense, it's kind of hard to separate out. Yeah, they're inflammatory foods, but they also increase your risk for artery disease as well. And that's kind of how this goes. It's not like I'm going to eat like a cookie and then have a heart attack or, develop cancer in the next 30 minutes. But if that's my eating pattern, then by definition, I'm probably eating kind of more processed, high sugar foods, um, foods with less um, healthy fatty acids, you know, et cetera, et cetera, which sets me up for all these other chronic diseases over the long term. So if I'm understanding this right, you're saying that like having these foods, it is not necessarily like directly causing, say, maybe the inflammation or the whatever, but it is definitely exasperating exacerbating problems that you might already have. Yeah, or it causes like a very temporary inflammatory response that goes away after, you know, the food is processed. So that brief, you know, mild inflammatory response, is that damaging? Probably not. If it happens all the time, Okay, and sure. the foods that you're eating are more in that processed food category, then yeah, that kind of increases the risk. And remember, at the same time, if you're eating a lot of inflammatory foods, and by definition, you're probably not eating a healthy diet with vegetables and other plant-based products and whole grains and things like that. So it's not just the addition of the inflammatory foods, it's that we're you know making a, a substitution of those types of foods and not eating the healthy foods. So let's jump in here with some of the foods that are quote unquote, I'll use Thunder's air quotes here, um, that are inflammatory foods. And actually I shouldn't use air quotes because they are right. Like refined grains, bread, cereals, white flour, refined sugar, especially that added sugar that we've talked about before on the podcast that you want to avoid sodium, red and different processed meats, the processed meats, because they tend to have a lot of salt and other types of uh, preservatives in them that are inflammatory. 
trans fats, ultra processed foods uh, also make the list. And then finally, alcoholic beverage. Did, did we cover most of the foods that are considered inflammatory thunder? Did you mention refined carbohydrates and monosodium glutamate MSG? Talked about refined grains like breads and cereals yeah. and white flour, yep. but not MSG. Yeah. So let's just add MSG to that list. That can cause a little inflammation as well. Wait a minute. Didn't I read a study recently that said that alcohol is anti-inflammatory, like red wine and stuff? Depends how you take your alcohol. Is it in the form of Everclear or red wine? Oh, okay. Sure. <laughs> yeah, it depends on the night, but... All right. Which one is inflammatory and which one isn't then? Is red wine <laughs> inflammatory and Everclear isn't or what? So one of the things that we're doing, um, all of us, is we're oversimplifying this. It's what we like to do. Yeah. <laughs> There's a dose response. Like if you have you know, a glass of red wine or like, you know, a small alcoholic drink, I mean, that's really not a big deal. If you pound like, you know, half liter of vodka a day, or you have a bottle or two of wine a day, that's a different ball game. So we have to be mindful of the dose. So a glass of red wine, right. it's actually anti-inflammatory. A bottle of red wine, probably not so much. Oh, okay. All right. All right. So with inflammatory foods, it sounds like dose response and time. Like how long have you been, how consistent have you been consuming these foods? Those things start to add up then to possibly some of the negative effects that we talked about. Yeah. And let's add one other thing to that. Um, How much of the anti-inflammatory foods are you consuming? Oh, okay. Right. So yeah, you may be having some of these inflammatory foods, but are you eating a lot of anti-inflammatory foods? Because it's not like, you know, we wake up in the morning and like flip a switch and decide which way we're going to go. We're probably all having a mix of inflammatory and anti-inflammatory. It just comes down to like what's predominating, you know? All right. So that, I mean, it really comes back to this notion of a balanced diet then, right? Like pragmatically in real life, sometimes we want to have some of these foods that might be labeled as inflammatory, but in moderation, that's fine as long as you know we're not going crazy with the dosage or the time. Um, but we also need to look at like how much of the good foods we're eating. What are some of those foods that reduce inflammation? Yeah, so pretty much anything from the plant world. You know, any plant-based foods, whether it's a whole grain or a vegetable or a fruit or a plant oil. You know, those are all fall into that anti-inflammatory category. Um, and and remember, you know, it's really what we're talking about is eating patterns. You know, if somebody is used to eating healthy and is trying to avoid processed foods and going after those plant-based foods, um, that's kind of like a eating pattern, like a lifestyle. Or on the other hand, you can have an individual that doesn't really cook. Um, you know, they don't really, they're not much into food preparation. They buy a lot of packaged foods. It's convenient. It's fast. You know, that's kind of how a lot of people eat. And yeah, they may have an apple once in a while, but but kind of the dosage of the anti-inflammatory side isn't the same. So the balance shifts towards inflammatory foods. See, Thunder, I'm I'm hearing all this and it it really it makes perfect sense, you know, in terms of the balance and some foods may be more promoting inflammation where others are anti-inflammatory. But then I think getting to what Mitch talked about is again, he's probably read more about it on TikTok than than I have. <laughs> but, uh, you don't read TikTok. You guys understand. He's <laughs> watched more TikTok videos than I have about this. <laughs> but how much truth is there to that? You know, if someone's saying, hey, I eliminated this and I and it eliminated my migraines or I eliminated this and it eliminated my fatigue, 
you know, is this, is there something of a placebo effect there? Or is there some truth to saying if you eliminate certain foods, you are going to see a physical effect from that? Yeah, I think we can never discount a placebo effect um, for sure. But there's definitely truth in there too, because these foods that we do label anti-inflammatory, there's data in cell studies, in animal studies, and even human studies. When you eat more of these plant-based foods, you know, that have phytochemicals and healthy oils and fiber and things like that, and you measure indices of inflammation or oxidative stress, you see they are lower, right? So there is truth that they have a physiological effect. Now, the placebo part kicks in in how, you know, good you feel after we eat those foods. I mean, there is probably a role in, in you know, helping migraines. Definitely if people have gut issues, there's actually a, you know, a, a role there in improving that. But how, how good you feel, I think that's where the placebo part comes in. So I don't know if you can really separate the two. You know, there's definitely a physiological role, but, you know, everyone's, their mind is a powerful thing, right? So there's definitely going to be placebo in there as well. I also feel like maybe some of this effect could be that and I don't, I don't want to diagnose people or make assumptions, but like when we see these videos on TikTok or hear these stories about people that remove these things from their diet and they felt better, right? We don't know what it, life was like for them before. And it might have been really bad. They might have not been eating very well, a lot of inflammatory foods. They might have had other sure, underlying yeah. sort of medical things going on that when they eliminated some of these things, that's why they experienced kind of like this transformation, whereas maybe I'm experiencing some you know, bloating or whatever, and I quit doing those things, I don't really experience anything because for the most part, I'm pretty good. Is, is that fair? Is that a fair thing to say? Or am I just making stuff up? I think that's fair. And, you know, throw in what if people lose a little weight when they're trying to, you know, eat the anti-inflammatory foods and, and that somehow plays a role, but, but maybe they don't talk about that, but, but we know that's in the background. So yeah, I think, I think it's all the above, you know, um, at the end of the day, I mean, we can try to pin exactly what the reason is, but we do know like the long-term effects, right? Like we know what the result is. And I think that's the thing to, to focus on. I guess so. And that's what I've wondered too, is if sometimes we can drive ourselves crazy trying to identify every potential piece of our diet that could be causing certain symptoms and eliminating and adding and, and eliminating something else versus just trying to have that balanced diet. I, I don't know. And, and uh, you know, and, and I guess if you were to go to someone and say, well, you know, whatever symptoms you may be having, whether it's headaches, fatigue, um, gut issues, whatever it is, where would you even start? And where would a person even start to, to try and assess that and, and eliminate things? I mean, ideally, you know, you would want to have um, a physician that has patience and is open to dietary experimentation and has time. So you're saying not me. Don't go to the ER for this. No, no, don't go to the ER for this, please. Yeah. I mean, our, our healthcare system in general is not set up for that. You know, yeah, I mean, yeah really doctors not. have like that five minute window to five, 10 minute, you know, to talk to you and throw a bunch of things on the computer and then move on. So, you know, you got to have the right healthcare team and then you need a dietitian as well, you know, who is willing to give you advice, you know, kind of keep a log, you know, how you feel after you've taken this out or added this in. But to get back to your kind of original basic question, I mean, where do you start? 
the easiest thing to start, I mean, in my opinion, is try to reduce added sugar as much as possible. Try to increase your intake of vegetables, fruits, whole grain, and oatmeal. Start with that. And then if it comes in a box, try to eat less of it. I mean, that kind of covers a lot of ground, you know. (laughs) But but if you can do that, um, you may end up cutting the foods that were giving you problems and at the same time adding things we know is helpful. And then maybe that'll help. You know, maybe you don't have to go through this systematic thing where you try to identify the one particular food. If you want to, great, go for it and have some patience and experimentation. But you can probably get results from just doing that kind of basic across the board approach. I was going to say, like, I heard one time when you're eating, if you can eat stuff that has one ingredient in it, like if it does come in a box and it's rice, it's, yeah. you know, that's fine because the ingredient is rice and that's generally pretty <laughs> healthy, right? Um, so I, I started applying that rule and I know dairy kind of gets, you know, a bad rap for being a really inflammatory food. And that has one ingredient. What's your take on dairy in this list? Yeah, I think um, I think the dairy story is is a little tougher because um, it could be inflammatory, but when dairy is processed into yogurt, um, that's actually pretty good, you know. So I think we have to decide what what dairy are we talking about. So milk probably inflammatory, yogurt it's uh, actually probably good. Hmm. All right. By the way, Troy, I don't know if you noticed this, but the foods that have the best evidence of being anti-inflammatory are stuff like tomatoes, olive oil, leafy vegetables, nuts, fatty fish, fruits. What does that sound like to you, Troy? You know, I was going to say, as soon as Thunder said that, it sounds like the answer is the Mediterranean diet. <laughs> right? And we just come back to it again and again. But the it answer sounds to like everything. It's the answer to life, <laughs> the Mediterranean <laughs> diet. Yeah, well, um, and I, I do like that, though. It just keeps it simple because, like I said, that's the thing I worry. And I hear people talk sometimes about this. And it just seems like they are kind of I'm just going a little, you know, just it's driving them a little crazy because they're just saying, well, I got to cut this. OK, that didn't work. Let me try this. But it seems like if you can just try the Mediterranean diet, like you said, Thunder, you're cutting a lot of that stuff that could be potentially bad and adding the anti-inflammatory properties of all the great stuff in the Mediterranean diet. Yeah. Yeah. Very well said. It keeps coming back to just, uh, and you know, this, this is feeling like a familiar conversation now, right? Try to eliminate some of the stuff that's not great for you. And I think most of us are pretty good at knowing what that is. You know, are we eating processed foods? Are we eating fast foods? Are we eating box foods? Try to add in some vegetables and fruits and nuts if we're not doing that. Try to, you know, get rid of uh, some of the red meat if, if you're doing that. I mean, it just, it's, this is just the familiar refrain that we hear. Uh, and over time, you know, you'll, you'll hopefully start to feel better. Maybe then if you're not feeling better, that's when you might want to talk to somebody to, you know, drill down a little bit deeper. Cause that might get 80% of the people there. Sure. And I guess like that leads to our next question. I don't know if this is something that Troy or Thunder could answer is like, at what point is like gassiness, bloating, like, you know, these different kinds of inflammatory responses, at what point is it something you should probably go see your doctor in? Not just like, oh, I had a bad meal or, oh, my diet isn't super great, but you should probably go to a doctor. Yeah, that's a tough question, Mitch. And I would say it because it's something I see so often in the emergency department. The most common complaint I see is abdominal pain. And sure. it includes all those symptoms. And maybe it's constipation. Maybe it's, you know, other things that are causing it. But I think if it's becoming a chronic issue there and more chronic issues, we're talking like three months or more, okay. then it's probably worth seeing your doctor. 
the idea being that you may have underlying conditions and particularly if you're having any bleeding. I mean, that's that's a big red flag, like any blood in your stool. You probably need a colonoscopy to look for underlying con- conditions like ulcerative colitis or Crohn's disease, um, things like that. So I, it, when, once you get past that three months mark, it's a good idea to really go see your doctor rather than trying to figure it out on your own. Yeah. And I would also maybe add to that. <clears throat> it depends on someone's personal discomfort tolerance. Because, you know, if it's bad enough, maybe some people after a month, they would want to do something about it. But it can be kind of a lower grade, but lasting more than three months. And I know people who would probably just continue to try to walk it off. Sure. So it all it all yeah. has to do with your personal, you know, tolerance for, for pain. But that's yeah, exactly. Yeah. When I say three months, I don't want to necessarily imply like you should suffer for three months with severe bottom <laughs> pain. <laughs> like, sure. Have your appendix burst or something. <laughs> I'm just saying if it's this, like Thunder said, and I think kind of like you implied, Mitch, kind of those low grade symptoms where it's bothersome and maybe it's some discomfort and some gassiness, things like that. Um, once you hit the three month mark, it's probably worth just seeing your doctor to get some other input, if not sooner. So inflammation caused by the foods we eat, inflammatory foods versus our foods that are, you know, anti-inflammatory. That's all, that's all real. Yep. It's all real. And it can all be traced back to dietary patterns. You know, um, again, we don't eat, like if you're kind of in that dietary pattern that favors processed foods, you're going to be eating a lot of these inflammatory foods we've mentioned. If you have a dietary pattern that favors more natural plant-based foods, <clears throat> whether it's a Mediterranean diet or a vegetarian diet or just a, even omnivore diet, but just choosing healthy stuff. I mean, that's an eating pattern. So, so we, we, we got to always remember we're, we're at the end of the day, we're coming back to an eating pattern, not targeting specific foods, but more a pattern of habitual eating. Mitch, take away from today's episode. I'm shocked. I'm like, I'm, I've been quiet because I'm sitting here being like, no, no, these people on TikTok can't be like they stopped they stopped eating bread and all of a sudden their skin's better and their mood's better. Like it just seemed so it just seemed too extreme, right? And it just seemed too simplistic to everything. So I guess it's it's yes, inflammatory inflammatory and anti-inflammatory food exists, but I I do really like that takeaway where it's like, you know, if it's part of a larger like change in your diet, yeah, maybe you can see these sorts of things, right? But this idea that like you stopped eating bread for a week and all of a sudden, you know, you're got perfect skin still feels weird to me. Yeah. If you have like a celiac disease and you stop eating bread, you'll see immediate effects, but sure. <laughs> otherwise, yeah, it's not going to happen. Yeah. So I think, um, Mitch, what I take from that is, again, you just can't tell you don't know what the backstory is there, right? You don't even no. know if that's true. What they're saying is true. Do they have some other sort of agenda mm-hmm. why they're saying these things? Um, they're anti-bread. <laughs> maybe they're, yeah, I don't know. Uh, but my takeaway is just it comes back to try to eat more of the good stuff and less of the bad stuff, right? And you're going to be okay. That's where I'm at. Troy, takeaway. Uh, my takeaway also is just balance. I think, Thunder, you really emphasize that. And I think if you're looking for anything, try to just achieve that balance rather than focusing on very specific foods. And I think you'll see improvements by by doing that. And again, Mediterranean diet. If you can do that, I think you're going to see improvements. Have you uh, ever experienced what we're talking about, eliminating some inflammatory foods and you had uh, a sudden change in your health? Uh, do you have a question about the food you eat? 
Have you found a diet claim on the internet that just seems too bizarre to be true and you want to know what's really going on? We would love to hear from you and you can reach out to us via email at hello at thescoperadio.com. That's hello at thescoperadio.com. Thunder, thanks for being on the show. Yeah, it was a pleasure to be on and talk with you all. And thanks for caring about men's health. 